0: The leg pierced its skull between the eyes, and the snake, all seven feet of it, reared high into the air. Someone gave a shrill scream, and other screams followed, while Eda Latimer sat and fought to keep the chair leg embedded in the snake's head. Its body whipped, pounded, crashed around and against her, dealing her blows more savage and punishing than a man's fist. Raining on her so thick and fast that she seemed surrounded by a whirling blur, a threshing shadow. Women were running everywhere, still screaming, eyes filled with the sight of Edda and the old man's snake, unable to get past their panic to help her. Except for Kitty. Pretty Kitty, gritty Kitty, who leapt across the hearth, wielding the tomahawk used for last-minute splitting of over-chunky kindling. Wading through the lashing snake's blows, she severed head from spine in two hacks. You can take your weight off the chair now, Eds, Kitty said to her sister as she dropped the hatchet. What a monster! You'll be black and blue from bruises. You're mad, sobbed Grace, running tears of shock. Fools, said Tufts fiercely to Edda and Kitty both. The white-faced Reverend Thomas Latimer was too occupied in dealing with his second wife in rigid hysterics to do what he longed to do—comfort his wonderfully brave daughters. The screams and cries were dying down now, and the terror had diminished sufficiently for some of the more intrepid women to cluster around the snake and inspect its mortality for themselves. An enormous thing— and for all that Mrs. Enid Treadby and Mrs. Henrietta Burdum assisted the rector in soothing Maud, no one except the four twins remembered the original purpose of this ruined gathering. What mattered was that that strange creature, Edda Latimer, had killed a lethally venomous old man snake, and it was time to run home there to perpetuate Coranda's main feminine activity, gossip, and her attendants, rumour and speculation. The four girls moved to an abandoned trolley of goodies, poured tea into frail cups, and plundered the cucumber sandwiches. Aren't women fools? Tufts asked, waving the teapot. You would swear the sky was going to fall in. Typical you, though, Edda. What did you plan to do if the chair leg didn't succeed? Then, Tufts, I would have appealed to you for an idea. Huh? You didn't need to appeal to me, because our other brilliant thinker and schemer, Kitty, came to your rescue. Tufts looked around. Stone the crows, they're all going home. Tuck in, girls, we can eat the lot. Mamma will take two days to recover from this, Grace said cheerfully, holding out her cup for more tea. Rather beats the shock of losing her four unpaid rectory housemaids. Kitty blew a rude noise. Rubbish, Grace. The shock of losing her unpaid housemaids looms far larger in Mama's mind than the death of a snake, no matter how big or poisonous. What's more, said Tufts, the first thing Mamma will do when she is recovered is serve Edda a sermon on how to kill snakes with decorum and discretion. You created a rumpus. Dear me, yes, so I did, Edda said placidly, smearing rich red jam and a pile of whipped cream on top of a scone. Yum. If I hadn't made a rumpus, the four of us would never have managed to get a scone. All Mamma's cronies would have gobbled them. She laughed. Next Monday, girls, next Monday we start lives of our own. No more mama. And you know I don't mean that against you and Tufts, Kitty. I know it well, said Kitty gruffly. It wasn't that Maud Latimer was consciously awful. According to her own lights, she was a saint among stepmothers as well as mothers. Grace and Edda had the same father as her own Tufts and Kitty, and there was no discrimination anywhere